I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Kia ora and welcome to another Aotearoa Rugby Pod. I'm Ross Khan. We're back to give you plenty of analysis this week because Super Rugby did an about turn and we had some big blowouts this week. Of course, joining me on the show, James Parsons in Auckland as ever, former Blues captain in All Black and over in Australia in Perth. At another airport, Jiffa? We've gone to another airport. <laughs> Bryn Hall from the Crusaders is about to make his way to Canberra. Bryn, what's going on? You're off the bus, you're about to board the plane. I'll tell you what, mate, it's been um, it's been an interesting half an hour to try to get ready for this podcast because uh, when our bus drivers we had two buses and the very first one um, didn't end up working. So you can imagine me, Jip, as a very uh, detailed man with time. <laughs> Uh, was stressing through the lounge uh, to be here. But look, happy to be here and a lot more positive than I was last week considering <laughs> a good result against the Perth uh, force on the weekend. Melbourne Airport security cleared the entire place for Jipper. I'm presuming <laughs> that you just had to mention that you were coming on Aotearoa Rugby Pod to the security and they just let you straight through into the lounge today? Uh, they didn't actually because we had to go through, um, obviously check in and get your, your laptops out at the um, terminal. So um, and it was actually quite a quite a busy busy setup. So I uh, no, unfortunately it wasn't. And uh, <laughs> yeah, Jim knows me too well that I was uh, I was sweating bullets. But happy to be here right now. <laughs> we can see the beating off your forehead right now. Um, before we get on to what will be the match of the round between you guys and uh, the, the Brumbies next weekend, let's have a look at our quick fire round and let's start with the match of the round from this weekend just gone, Jipper. What game did it for you? Oh, <laughs> what game did it for you this weekend? Oh, 70 points, mate. It was a thing of beauty. That first 40, actually the 30-minute the mark to 40-minute <clears throat> mark was something special. Uh, absolutely loved it. Um, was at the game live, and it was it was great viewing. So the Blues absolutely on a demolition derby. Was was that it for you? Oh, I'll tell you what. Yeah, the Brumbies and the Brumbies getting their win uh, was was pretty impressive. But look, some of the stats here I've got, Jip, no doubt you. Oh, are. I love hearing this in that round against the Blues. Look, forty-seven unanswered points after starting fourteen-zero. Um, great way to come back, and they scored sixty-six points before the Rebels actually scored a try after scoring two tries in that first half. So. Look, it was um, it was impressive. You know, they had 34 defenders beaten, 20 offloads, 14 clean breaks. The breaker, the Ioani brothers, scored five tries. Um, offload kings uh, with all their forwards. So look, it was um, you take away that first probably start. You take away that first start. It was um, it was awesome, bloody impressive to watch. And I can imagine, Jip, as a fan, it was awesome to see. Yeah, mate. I actually think the start was crucial to kicking them into gear. So, you know, they'd sort of been on that flat spell after the derby games, and it was almost like, oh, man, we've got to turn it on here. And it just sparked them into, into reaction. So, um, and, man, from then on, uh, it, was, it was simply beautiful. 
The big fella's <laughs> offloading up the middle of the park was something special, let alone the tri-screen antics of Mark Talia. Oh, yeah, look, it was good. Let's get a little bit more into that really soon. Player of the round, who is it for you? From the Blues game, I presume? No, no. I, I would really like to say Rico. I've tried every way to convince myself, but I think Nick White was the difference in that um, big derby game, just his kicking game, the way he orchestrated that um, and the way he played in general. I thought he was fantastic, and, and he's definitely someone you've got to shut down uh, if you're going to beat those Brumbies. What about you, Brenner? Where are you looking? Oh, look, there were some great performances. Look, you look at those Blues games. I thought Rico um, had his best best game of the year. And then even a couple of, you know, Will Jordan was outstanding on the weekend with Leicester Fying and Nuku as well. But look, yeah, I think considering what was on the line in Hamilton, um, Nick White was, was outstanding. And look, we've done a pretty pre preview around him, knowing what's coming in, in Canberra. But look, his game management, his, his kicking um, was immense. And also just his, his general, um, general kind of um, game management was world-class. Okay, Brent, what about the team that's progressed the most this round? There are some options. The Canes, the Blues, the Crusaders. Um, oh, I think, you know, I think considering where we were, I think we could probably be in that conversation. But look, I think continually progression um, is, is the Brumbies. Look, um, they've had three wins against three New Zealand teams. And, um, you know, they've got, they've got us coming this week and they've got the Blues, which are going to be a nice test for them. But look, anytime you can get a win on New Zealand soil, we looked at last year how hard it was for Australian teams to win in New Zealand. Um, so, look, I'm going for the Brumbies for that progression and just winning in New Zealand and what was on the line for them in that game. What about you? I think it's the Hurricanes for me. Uh, reason being, with the Chiefs slipping up, there's a real opportunity for them to get into the uh, home quarters and, and push for their case to be back here. And... and I just think they've been there or thereabouts against all the bigger teams all year and just lost. Um, so if they can get some form, some, some confidence up, um, I, I think they're in a really good position after the weekend because as we know, the draw hasn't been easy. So, um, yeah, I think they probably progressed the most. And they used a lot of their squad, so they built that depth as well leading into the finals. Sorry, I'm having trouble keeping it, having the ding-dong. Yeah, I know. <laughs> See I know, that I know. happens in the background. Um, what about the team that regressed the most? Um, maybe the Reds. I know they're missing O'Connor, but it's just, they, they probably should have put that one away. Very hard team to win, um, but it was great to see the Highlanders come back the way they did. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we had a lot of questions about that game, Bryn, about which way it would go, and um, it was good to see what the Highlanders could do. Yeah, I think it was. Um, yeah, I've gone the same for the same as Chip. I think, you know, if you're looking at that start, they were 12-0 start, the Reds in at home. Um, get off to a good start. They're probably kicking themselves again, um, not getting that result. And, you know, the game was in the balance, you know, that 54th minute, it was 19-13, and um, the injection of Falao Whakatawa um, really came over top and um, helped that kind of result go into the Highlanders' way. Because, look, you could say that you know, they might not get that result just due to what they've been through. But, look, uh, with, you know, with 20 minutes to go, the two tries that was around Falao Whakatawa and then injection off the bench, I thought it was a massive difference in how that Highlanders um, were able to get that win in Suncourt. Now... When you go over to play the Brumbies this weekend, Bryn, it's going to be one of those great matches of the round where there's quite a lot at stake. I mean, we've talked a bit about the Brumbies in recent weeks. We've talked about how this is a team on the go. Are they legitimate title contenders? And the answer is, yep. Yes. Hell yes, they are. <laughs> You're third on the table. They're second on the table. This, if things remain the same, could be just like the semi-final you play. And you guys are going to need to beat them away if it stays the same. This is a big game. Yeah, it is, mate. Um, it is. And look, we're not thinking more so around what's on the line outcome-wise for the future of the competition. I think for us, um, look, they're just an impressive side. Look, 
me and Jeff have talked about it all year long around what they can bring. Their set piece um, is strong, whether it be their line-out more that we saw on the weekend and we've seen throughout the duration of this competition. They've got the ability to be able to kick off Nick White with his great contestable game. It's Noel Olesias, I find, is finding some really, mm. some really good form and some game management role around his development again this year. And then you've got the outside backs with Ikitao, Tom Banks and Tom White. Um, and it's also their kicking game as well. And haven't even touched on their forward pack. You know, their forward pack's been one of them games through the contact and the kind of collision area, which we were a lot better on the weekend. But we're under no illusions that we're going to have to go up another level than we were on the weekend because it's different playing in Canberra. You know how hard it is in Canberra. We're probably not going to get the same conditions that we did at the force where they've been nice and warm. Probably going to be a little bit more dewy and probably um, the kind of stuff that we were able to do with our kick plan on the weekend will be sit really perfectly moving into the Brumbies and a little bit more dewy evening in, in Canberra. How do you go about beating the Brumbies, Chip, from your point of view? what's the... It's got to be up front. You've got to disrupt their set piece on their ball so they just can't play on their terms. Um, and then I think the more you can sort of disrupt that breakdown and, and take Nick White's threat out of the game um, will be massive. So um, I'm assuming there might be a bit of artillery coming back for the, the big fellas uh, this weekend as in the Crusaders. Um, you know, it'll be good for guys like Cody Taylor to come back for, for this sort of fixture. Um, Sam Whitelock had a good shift. Um, you know, Cullen Grace, I thought, filled in well at lock, but whatever that makeup of that eight is, it, it is going to be crucial in terms of um, the success because the, the Brumbies type five is quite, um, you know, they're almost humble, like the unsung heroes, but uh, um, on the back of that, the Lucy's, you know, thrive and so do, the, so do their insides. And, um, another player, I think, you know, Brent, I'm sure you've identified it as, as Ikitao. I think he's in some great touch. Some of his ball players' ability to um, put the ball in behind, but also the way he's carrying at the moment. He is, he is destructive in that midfield, so he'll be one to shut down as well. They've got some options there. Yeah, they yeah they do. And like, I think I talked around uh, their kind of structures off the line-out moors especially. Um, I feel like they're probably the best team in the competition, being able to strike off that line out more so look we're um we're in a, we've done a lot of a bit of preview it's probably at the start of our week and it was a short week for us but um you know our coaches have been really good around the, the messages and kind of the cues that we've been needing to see because look um they've kind of got that that balance they're not just a, a forward orientated team they have the ability to be able to play off that ball whether it be with Lollisie going to the line uh the outside backs and Nikitao um you know and they kind of midfield pairing so um they've got a lot there and uh, you know look we're really looking forward to a challenge in Canberra because we know um, there's a lot of history as well between the two clubs you know, when it first started around the finals that we've had, so um, it's always a great encounter. It's going to be an awesome occasion uh, come come Canberra when we get to Canberra. It does bring back some memories. Ron Cribb Grubbers, <laughs> an unfortunate night for Ben Blair. There's, yeah. there's been some really interesting stuff happened there between those two teams. George Smith, Larkin. Yeah, and generally there's a lot on the line because they're so consistently good, both of the sides. Yeah, there's and there's a lot of expectation with the history they have, so it's always um, one you sort of circle to watch. Um, and, and I think, you know, no doubt Jace Ryan took note of a bit of a tight head and, and that led to seven points at scrum time as well. So um, I, I think he'll be frothing, surely, Brunner, to get those, those boys up front, um, you know, maybe marching the penalty of their own or, or putting it back on, on, onto the Brumbies. Yeah, I think it will be a big challenge uh, for us. And I think, um, you know, you look at kind of the Waratahs and the review that we had and the kind of accountability from 1 to 23 and even the whole squad and management. Um, you know, we wanted our intent and our, and our I guess, our, um, our contact area a lot better. And so I think we were able to do that in spades on the weekend. And our kicking game was a lot better with our game management around uh, really sucking the, sucking the force out and really um, applying a lot of pressure into them. So it fits in really nicely with the Brumbies this week. Um, we know that it's going to be tough around that collision area. And, our, and I know our forwards 
are really going to look forward to that challenge because you probably have to think, um, you know, that forward pack along with the Blues, probably the top two uh, forward packs in, in the competition at the moment. I, I think the kicking game you mentioned a couple of times, but that is going to be critical. You know, the Brumbies kicked 31 times to the Chiefs' 20s, and when you listen to Sam Kane after the game, he he made a point that they played too much in there. 22 and those forced errors led to actual points so I'm assuming you know it won't just be contestable long and out um, would be a good ploy for you guys this week as well yeah I think it is and I think it was a great 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 for us on the weekend uh, we got our kicking game right anytime you know you can bring Richie back into the fold and yeah. um, he can have his kind of experience and what he what he brings for our team uh, he was massive for us and so you know he did a lot of great kind of kicks around that 22 metres zone that you're talking about Jim mm. that Sam Kane alluded to on the weekend and uh, we actually got some really good pay out of that. But I think uh, at the same time, it's everybody being able to be, when you're called upon through your kicking, whether it be contestable, seeing the space on the edge, whether it be Davey, um, whoever's on the midfield or whoever's on the wings, being able to go in different areas of the field because, um, you know, the Brumbies will be previewing us and seeing what was good for us against the force. Um, but then again, it's been able to just stay in, in, stay in one step and forward of the other and, um, you know, kind of adapting on the run of what's presented in front of us. Yeah. Mm. Now, you guys obviously got a big win. We saw the Hurricanes get a big win, as you mentioned before. We saw the Blues get a big win. Last week, the chat was, this competition is close. Anything could happen. Of course, Murphy came along and said, nah, um, <laughs> there's going to be some blowouts this week. What do we take out of that? Has the narrative changed? Is the gap bigger, Jip? No, I don't think it is. I just think, um, you know, the acid was put on teams um, that probably weren't used to losing and, and you could see maybe the intensity of their week um, was there but you know even though um, you know apart from probably the Rebels game um, it took a while for you to put them away didn't it Bryn you know like it, they were there or thereabouts you know around that 50 minute mark and then a bit of brilliance with Chip and Chases and Will Jordan Magic um, you know they, they got away on them um, so I, I don't think it's um, you know saying the gap's too big um, but it shows that you need to be on. Uh, Brent sort of spoke about it there, Waratahs Week, just being off 2 or 3% cost you. And, and that's, that's what I think it is, is, is the prep and the lead-up to the week. And who's best at dealing with that perceived pressure of, you know, I suppose fans wanting that performance? Yeah, yeah. Um, look, when we look at the Blues performance, it's hard for us not to talk about Akira Ioane. Mm. Goodness me. Two or three weeks into his return, and he looks like an all-black number six to me. Absolutely, and I think with the injury to Shannon Frizzell, um, you know he can play a big part. He's really fit. Um, he'll get more and more minutes under his belt. But the thing I like about him most is his collision areas. Like he's in the thick of it. He's he's moving bodies, uh, whether it's you know through cleanouts or dragging bodies with him through his leg drive, and having the ability to play on the edge feel like he's really found his mojo and his balance to his game and he's got confidence in that and, and just goes out there and, and bees a kidder. You know, he doesn't try to be something he's not and I think that's when you see the best in him. The hard part, Brendan... I think, sorry, it, sorry. Carry on. Yeah. Sorry, just on that. No, look, I think, um, you know, a has been coming back into a rich of form considering the break that he's had, but a guy that probably, oh, we've talked about him, Jip, is Hoskins Satutu and what he's mm. really bringing to that team as well. His distribution skills, I think if you've seen off their scrum line-out, their line-out malls, his ability to be able as a ball player just through his skill set and the amount of times that you've seen him putting people away through his bridge passes with his passing game, um, it's really great to see. So, look, I think that trio as well, you know, you've got Dolts there that we've talked about as well, but I think, you know, that's your loose forward trio that I think um, at the moment um, is playing collectively really well and it's, it's you know, it's a really formidable um, forward pack at the moment. And on Hoss, if those grubbers had stayed in, Potentially, he would have set himself up for a try like um, Valentini did. 
Um, so, you know, he's got that vision. He, he, it's, he's an amazing talent, um, the skill set he, he has. So, but what do you do? You know, when you look at that and you've got Artie Savia to throw into the mix, Sam Kane to throw into the mix, the question about, and someone mentioned this to me on, this to me on the weekend, having that specialist ball-carrying number six that we're so used to, how important is that in, in the way of looking? Maybe if you look at the overall talent there, you could probably head in a different direction where you've got players who can do a little bit of everything, but do you, do you want that, just that guy who's going to play six, play hard, carry, tackle hard? I think so. I think um, there definitely seems to be a more focus on being specialists. Um, you know, like not, we want guys that can cover multiple positions, but you know, 95% of their focus has to be on the one job and do that really well. And if you can cover late in the game or you're needed, then absolutely. But I think uh, you'll see probably from the All Black selectors' mindset straight away is that they're looking to put specialists out there because the expectation of what they're going to need to demand from them in mm. terms of getting these performances against a pretty impressive Irish side first up, um, they'll need everyone humming. Uh, and just probably decluttered, you know, focus on the one role, and it just gives that simplicity in terms of that prep for players. So, Bryn, then you've got, obviously, Sam Kane's the captain. It's going to be hard to walk past him because he is the captain. Adi Savia is arguably the best player in the country, um, so you can't miss out on him. It is a difficult selection for where you go at six. Oh, it is, mate. And I think there's just so much talent at the moment that's playing consistently well. Like we've talked around Shannon Fazell and his ability at the Highlanders before before he was injured. You've got Ethan Blackadder who's playing six, seven, eight at the moment and can cover that. And then Aikida's come back and had some really good performances coming back from his long-term injury. So, um, it's yeah, I, it's really hard to know where you can go. And unfortunately, you know, someone's going to miss out just due to the fact of how, uh, how much talent there is and the kind of high level that the loose four chairs are playing in the country at the moment. I don't think we can leave out Luke Jacobson. I think he's made a good fist of six. I know you're yeah. going to love this. <laughs> but he, he, he's, he seems, yep. he's such a strong ball carrier. He's a great defender. He's another one to just to put in the mix as well. Um, and he, he's, you know, you mentioned Sam Kane, um, you know, Luke Jacobson and Peter Gus. When they're humming, the Chiefs are humming. Mm. And I think, you know, you saw that one opportunity that Peter Gus got on the weekend, and that's just a big body too easy. You know, um, Jacobson's been making similar carries. There had been chat around Pitagas, you know, does he need to find a spark and form again to, to bring himself into that selection mindset? Because, you know, he's a big man and that, that does give you a point of difference. Like, there's big guys, but he's a, he's a big unit um, and has the ability to flatten people, ball yeah. in hand, and <laughs> ball not in hand. Yeah, and, and so then it's really a conversation about what happens on the bench too, because I feel for a guy like Dalton, mm. because on form, probably a starting all black. Um, but the setup is slightly different to that, isn't it, Bryn? Like you, when you've got your captain, you, th he's your captain. That's that's it. Yeah, it is. But I think for Dalton and anybody in those kind of positions that are, um, you know, kind of you want to be be playing, is that you can only control what you can control. Mm. So yes, obviously he's the captain, but you know, it's based based around performances. You're rewarded around your performance of how you're going to play. And look, let's be honest, being a captain, you probably get a little bit, a little bit more rope. But, um, you know, with, with the way Dolts is playing, all you're going to do is put pressure on selectors and coaching staff because, look, when he's, he's gone out there at test level now, through last year, his, the amount of test matches that he's he played, um, if there are injuries around that, um, it's a like-for-like. Like, and to be honest, um, you just think you claim even more moving forward that, you know, I want to be deserving of the number, number seven or whatever loose four trio position that wants to start moving forward. Mm. Dalton just loves playing. He'll play anywhere. <laughs> he honestly does. He just loves he loves getting out there in the thick of it. So even yeah. if it is a bench role, he can play six, seven, eight, I believe, um, comfortably. 
Yeah, yeah. The other one from the weekend is interesting. Quintu Paya was once again yeah. good in a losing effort. Roger Tuivasa Sheck is again looking incredibly dangerous and again more wonderful touches. What's the what's the picking order there? Well, you'd have to think Quinn's probably the incumbent, um, and he, I thought he was fantastic. And like, again, I spoke about Ikitao and his metres post-contact and, and getting through the other side of the defence. Well, you know, Quinn was exactly the same, and he, he just seems to be getting better and better, but more confident in his own ability, and that will transpire. So you'd, you'd have to give him the inside running, but Roger's going great as well. And what Roger's doing is, um, you, you know, um, I know he wasn't involved in that try of Rico, um, coming short and going through, but uh, Stevie had to go out the back or short. The work of Caleb Clark out the back, the more that I feel like Caleb or Mark Talea can hover around that 12, 13 axis and, and sort of, um, I don't, uh, it was sort of like uh, your guys try against the Highlanders, Bryn, where Havili's promoted, uh, Leicester comes on that short ball towards Nuggy, and there was a ball option out the back. I think if those three a blindside winger and those two midfield combinations, that's hard to D. You're going to have to make a decision. You know, are, are they going to run? Are they going to hot step? Is Rico going to come on that short ball? Are we going out the back to, to Caleb? Like the more that, rather than hovering around that 10, I think that blindside winger could get out to similar to other sides. And, and it, man, like even if you make the wrong call, they're still going to get game line. Like <laughs> it doesn't matter what happens. So I, I'm excited where that sort of three man pairing can go to. And, and the more confidence, say, Roger can get with Bodie and Rico, it gives them an opportunity to have that cohesive nature and, and the confidence of the selectors to potentially give them an opportunity against Ireland. Are you in a similar mindset, Bryn? Um, I think with, with Rog, I think, you know, unfortunately he had those injuries and I think the biggest thing for him is that he's going to be able to accumulate more time, you know, being able to play these Trantasman games and being able to, I guess, find his feet for what it is to be a 12. I think the biggest thing for, for Rog is going to be in the later part of the competition for when the, when the Blues are in those kind of final stages. And playing against high intensity, kind of the kind of scenarios that you're going to need it against an Ireland or kind of at a World Cup where it's going to be, you know, hot contest and you're going to make decisions under pressure against a high level team. And so, I think for Rog in those kind of moments, that's where I'm, that's where I'm seeing. It. I think you know, it's going to, he's going to find his his balance and being able to get those kind of minutes and kind of understanding of what it is to be a 12. But then when when push comes to shove in the finals game and he's if he gets the opportunity to start. That's where I'll see. We'll see how he performs in that kind of role. Um, and then you've also got, like you said, Quinta Pai. You've got David Harvilli, who was, who was in the All Blacks last year, who can cover a lot of positions as long as we're 12. You've got Braden Enor, Jack, Jack Goodhue's back with us as well. And then you've also got Alex Ninkable, who's again continuing to keep putting his hand up for being a 12 or a 13 in, in, the, in the squad. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how many they do select. Are they going to select five or will they keep it to four? You've also got Geordie Barrett who they think might be possibly as a 12 as well. He plays 15. So um, there's a lot of ways you can go. And I guess for the midfielders, it's more so keep putting your hand up, keep putting in good good shifts, and, you know, making a, a case for you to be in that kind of um, four or five-man midfielder selection at the back end of the year. Sorry, the back end for the rugby championship in Ireland. This is a little bit out there, and I'm not saying that potentially he'll get picked for the All Blacks, but a guy that hasn't had always front football, Thomas Umunga Jensen, like even on the weekend, he's seriously talented, man. Like... He's got a bright future if he can just, you know, keep at it. Like, in terms of a team not going that well and performing the way he is, imagine when he can get on that sort of front foot ball, it'll be outstanding. 
Absolutely. I think we're going to have to let Brenna go soon. I've, I've quite enjoyed not just what you've been saying, Brenna, but also the shopping habits of the people yeah. behind you. Uh, there's been one lady in particular who really wants a flowery dress, but yeah. she's just not committing to it. She's come back twice and, and headed been, off on her way. Yeah, she has. I've been watching a lot of people just in behind, just, almost, almost just a, staring. A, a bit of terminal, so we're just coming in and out, just yeah. coming in and out. What's this idiot doing? Um, I've got five minutes. I've got five minutes. I've got five minutes, Ross, so you're all right. Excellent, excellent. Oh, perfect. Before we let you go, we get a couple more um, absolute ditties from you. Your old teammate, Owen Franks. Um, did you watch much of him? What did you make of him back and talking about how he wants to be an All Black? Oh, look, Ross, it doesn't surprise me with Owen and his mindset. Look, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to play a lot of rugby with him when he was at the Crusaders. And if you're talking around one percenters and being a professional rugby player, um, get around Owen Franks and what it looks like to be a professional rugby player. And, even come back from an Achilles early, he's been come back early and honestly just not surprised with how he is as a rugby player and how professional he is. But um, to tell you the truth, Ross, it was pretty tough seeing him in a yellow strip, to be honest. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a centurion of ours and very similar to Luke Romano around, you know, buying his trade somewhere else. But, you know, look at opportunities come from and, you know, I thought, you know, would not be surprised, you know, if he ends up being an All Black again because uh, we know how strong he is at set piece. Uh, but, there's nothing that would put it past me for Owe with his mindset. And so um, it's good to see him back on the field, bar it being a yellow, yellow jersey. <laughs> uh, in terms of the Canes run, he could become a really key figure in terms of providing the platform. We know how good the backs are. We know how good the Lucys are. But if they can provide that platform for those guys to fire off, he, he could be a key cog in that. Um, Lomax is going well, but having the ability to balance between his experience and he is a little bit point of difference in terms of props in this part of the world. There's a lot of that sort of ball carrying skill set mindset, um, but you know he, he's he's just going to give you the simple stuff done really really well. And when push came to shove in 2019, they made their decision based on ball carrying. They kind of said, well, "We know what OE can do, but what we want is ball carriers to get over the advantage line." Mm. In the World Cup, it didn't actually turn out that way. They didn't really get that in the key games, and it didn't work out. So. Will they still be in that mindset, maybe, Bryn? Do you think they're still going to be in the ball-carrying prop mindset, or would they be like, okay, well, we know what Owen can do, and he's going to anchor it? Oh, look, I think it's always great to have that kind of experience in, in the back. And look, you know, not too sure where and what Owen, how, what, how his time has been and his skill set. It could have improved, so I think that'll be a continuation of what his growth will be hopefully moving forward. But look, I think to be able to contest against these, these Northern Hemisphere teams, you're looking at the likes of Ireland, who probably at the moment, probably one of the better propping duos in, in the country mm. in, in the world so with more so around their skill set how explosive they are can ball play at the line which is going to be really important especially against these line speed pressure teams and being able to you know under pressure hit the tip ball or go out the back and being able to put it on the front in the front hands of where you need it as you pivot so um there's a lot of there's a lot of props running around at the moment that are, that are doing that you know you've got a lot of young guys that are coming through you've got um, you know big tamati williams who I think he's got a big future in, in, in our club and in, in world rugby, just with his attributes and what he can bring. You've got Ollie Norris, who I think has been playing really well for the Chiefs. And then you've also got young guys, Fitch and Newell, who's been really playing really well for us. So um, I feel that the next generation moving forward, um, there's a lot of guys that are going to be um, in that kind of mould where I've seen the likes of Ireland and the French have been able to play ball at the line. But I think as well, you've still got to be able to win your set-piece ball, Jip. You know how important it is in World Cups, even in Ireland and big teams that... Um, involve a lot of contact you've got to win your set piece come in scrum time and um, you know we've got Nepal Alala Joe Murdy is unfortunately injured but you know you've got your tried and true that are able to still do that as well
Fantastic teammate, Bryn. You know, a couple of times today you've managed to just slip in about 19 Crusaders <laughs> um, with, with a sporadic other, other team member here or there. So, mate, you are a world-class teammate. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting paid, Baz. I'm getting paid in the back pocket. So, Fletcher Newell's been in my mind. He's been in my, um, he's been in my ear the whole time. So, yeah, nah, yeah. But there's um, a lot of good talent um, floating around in our ranks at the moment. Yeah, we'll look forward to having a dream team later on with no Crusaders. Because <laughs> Brent's not sticking around for the dream team. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like you're going in, mate. It looks like uh, yep. the boys yep, are going to the gates. Awesome, mate. Yeah, Braden Enner was that's flying in the background there on the way through to the gates. So thank you again, Bryn. Um If you see the lady who wanted to buy that flowery dress, tell her to just go do it. Tell her it was a good decision to move I'll on. Do... <laughs> <laughs> I'll be... Um... I'll be sure to give her uh, your 10 cents worth Ross and Jopper that um, she's much needed on this podcast, so yeah, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll let her know. You only live once. Well, <laughs> see you, mate. Go well this weekend. <laughs> All right, lads. Cheers, see mate. You boys. <laughs> I quite enjoy these airport episodes. Yeah, oh, it's a, it brings a yeah. brings a new flavour to the to the pod. Yeah, totally. And the Crusaders on tours given us an appearance from Scott Robertson. Yeah. Some good shopping in the background. Hundred percent. We've pretty much had it all. Um, hey, moving on from Owen Franks. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Um, let's have a quick chat about Moana Pacifica, and I suppose where they ended up after that game against the Waratahs you know it was a good chance for them to get a win at home against the Waratahs team that's looked relatively impressive what are you making of their progression so far this year oh look I think they've um, performed admirably but they have put themselves in a position to win games and haven't quite got there mm. so I think they'll be a little bit disappointed with that but they are embedding new systems new structures and and a big focus I know for them is getting things started and really connecting with their culture and their people and um, utilising that um, and you know rugby sometimes may be secondary so um, I think that actually brings the best out of them because they're, they're playing with a real purpose um, and for something that's bigger than themselves so they, they put it all out there they started extremely well um, unfortunate not to get the win um, but I suppose it showed that, you know how good this Tars side is they didn't play that well but they found a way to win and I think that's always a good judge is winning ugly um, is, is crucial if you want to go all the way so I think Moana Pacifica will, will um, look back and think they might have been able to push for that eight spot. I'm not saying it's out of the question now, but they've made it a little bit harder for themselves. They, they, they're going to have to win all three. I think they might have four, actually, because they've got a yeah, force make-up make game. game. Yep. So that could become actually crucial for that eighth spot. If they can get on a bit of a run and be a little bit more clinical, get the impact off the bench they need to close these games out. Mm. Against the Waratahs team, it wasn't going to be easy. They've jumped the Reds on the table. 
and they're looking like the second best Aussie team, which you probably wouldn't have thought necessarily at the start of the season. No, but I think the Reds have been hit hard with injuries, man. Like they've got a lot of young talent out there at the moment, and just in crucial moments in the game, that lack of experience or composure or calmness isn't quite there. Um, so, you know, I've said it two weeks in a row, and I'll say it again. I don't know how bad James O'Connor's injury is, but they need him back. Mm. Um, he just had so such a handle on the control and putting the, that team in the right um, areas of the field, knowing when to pull the trigger, knowing when to relieve pressure. Um, he becomes a key factor, so I don't think you can write them off, but it, it's, it's not as convincing, say, as the Tars aren't reliant on so much on one player. Maybe Michael Hooper coming back did inject some life into the squad, and, and he, he's quite key, but outside of that, they're, they're probably... You know, he had a few injuries and in using their depth as well. Mm. My favourite Tarzan this week, Nemanja Nandolo, possibly <laughs> coming back. I, I don't. He's well into his mid thirties now, isn't he, Nemanja? But uh, still a wrecking ball of a man. But coming back to the Waratahs, possibly. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I certainly know that the highlight of poor old Matt Duffy will come back out if he does, <laughs> if he does re-enter. Um, but we were talking before we started the podcast about mm. you know. How, how, who would you rather tackle, Caleb Clark or Leicester Fying Nuku? Well, take out your Ed Nandolo in there, and um, it's three pretty tough, tough choices, to be fair. Totally, totally. Uh, uh, wow. I think Matt um, Duffy's still in orbit. Yeah, from, yeah, from yeah. That particular moment. Uh, he, he, when it gets rolled out every year, he, he always re grams <laughs> it and says, Thanks, guys. Cheers for the reminder. Uh, it was really good. But let's talk a little bit about that left wing spot then, shall we? Because you're right, sometimes it just comes down to. Who would you at least want to tackle? <laughs> and right now, I wouldn't want to tackle Caleb Clark or Lester Fyinganuku. So which way do you go? I think it's a tough one because they're both, you know, as Brad said, they're both controlling what's um, in their hands and, and that's playing well. But some of the, when you see Caleb in open space and the way he can just, I suppose, swat off defenders, um, you know, it's not that Lester can't do that. It's just, I don't know, he just, he seems slippery, he seems, you know, the fastest he's ever been. He changes direction. Um, that run off the kickoff, I mean, it was just, it was glorious to watch. Um, but it, it is it is hard and I think it does, are they gonna, it's more around, are they gonna take one power left winger into the squad or can they fit two with the ability to cover centre? So Leicester does have that ability, but I, I still think there might be a bit of a switch in focus to, to more specialist you know, mindset in terms of selection. Now, I suppose it also it depends, I suppose, what you do with your midfield, because if you are going to go for less of a power midfield and you want to have a guy like one of those two blokes, you can have him shining into the back line, getting over the advantage line. You know, it, they do offer some options elsewhere. Yeah, on board. I, I think 100%. That's what I was trying to allude to. Not only, you know, Mark Clare, but more so Caleb hovering in behind the midfield pairing of Roger and um, Rico is only going to create opportunities for those two mm. players but for himself, because you know, if, if they don't pick the right one and, and he gets through a hole, or he's even given a weak shoulder, he's guaranteed to go through almost. Mm. Um, and I hear all these names and I, I get excited about what we're seeing from all of these players. And then I read that article from, which is quoting Tom Taylor, the former Crusaders, um, All Blacks first five slash fullback. And he reckoned that New Zealand rugby is going backwards. Now I think the results from the All Blacks in the last couple of years haven't been amazing, but Look, when you see the talent that's coming through, I, I don't believe that it's necessarily going backwards in that way. There's always someone. Yeah, look, I don't. I certainly don't. Um, and, and sometimes when you're like, sometimes when I watch um, Premiership Rugby or Top 14, it's a different style of game. 
and you can look at it and you, you can sometimes look at our, our game and you're like, oh, you know, we do this, that, that, and think that it may be superior. It's probably not, but it's what you're used to. And Tom's been playing around the world and having some fantastic experiences and on the back of maybe a, well, not maybe, but a, a less than convincing year by the All Blacks, he, that's, he's sensing that coming from the Super Rugby and the separation away from the different style of playing the, um, the South African teams. So, you know, I can, I can see how he comes to that um, conclusion just in terms of the way he's experiencing the rugby world at the moment and, and then some of the results towards the end of the last year. But if anything, you know, Bryn's just spoken about the young talent coming through. It, it, I feel like we're in a position of strength for, for the next tier of players to grow under this current crop that have got good experience, but to give us strength into the future as well. For me, it feels like a tactical evolution is the thing that needs to be made here. It's not necessarily the players, it's what we're doing with our players, where we've fallen maybe a little bit behind some of the other teams and struggled with what they're bringing at us. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I, haven't, I didn't see the article, so I haven't put a, too much thought into it, but I think we like to be the trendsetters. Mm. Um, and at the moment, we probably, perception is we're not you know, setting the trends, we're, we're trying to play catch up a little bit. But... I think when we do or we find the key you know to evolving the game for the next sort of four-year period or whatever i think we'll we'll be at the pinnacle of either leading it or not being far behind mm. and he reckons that not being able to play south africa in super rugby is a key part of that now I, look i'm not sure the south african teams have been very strong in super rugby for a while no i think what he means is like it's just a different style so you learn how to adapt your skill set to you know i suppose that northern hemisphere um style of footy which is you know pretty you know if you use island and french test it, it's direct dominating the collision getting them behind and then having great running halves that have the ability to put themselves away or others mm. um but yeah I, I wouldn't yeah i wouldn't read too much i certainly don't read too much into it but um as i say you can sort of see how Tom and the position he is has, has come to that conclusion. From completely left field, which is where we like Michael Checker to come from, <laughs> um, he's saying that Argentina can win next year's World Cup. Have you seen anything that is hinted that that is a possibility? I think it is. Like the one thing, the only reason I say this is history. Like they seem to peak, bang on World Cup year, and they're always in the semis or quarters, or they put themselves in a position to go all the way. Um, you know and. And Michael Checker has had form of taking the Wallabies team mm. to a World Cup, so he knows what's needed to get to the final. Whether they have the ability to win on the day, I think it's one side you wouldn't want to bet against, sort of like the French. You, mm. you don't quite know what you're going to get all the time. So you, when we had Pablo Matera on, you know, the emotion and what it means to that playing group is there, and that is sometimes all you need you know seven tests on a balance doing something for their people you know making it a bigger sport back home all the things that he's you know motivated by to bring back to his country could play a part and with their you know technical ability of um check um you know i don't think it's you know too outlandish to think that based on the way they perform at world cups mm. that's all i'm going on i wouldn't if i was just going on results over the last year no you you wouldn't think that they'd, they'd you know maybe make a quarter final maybe not um, but they do have the ability to peak and catch teams off guard at world cup time yeah without the juarez 
I suppose there's two aspects to it. There's the time together aspect, and then there's actually they could be a lot fresher because they got run into the ground that team with yeah. the Juarez. Yes and no though, because there's a lot of footy for the guys that are playing, you know, up in the, mm. the top league or uh, not top league, sorry, top 14 um, or Premiership. But if I mean if they're in Japan, they'll be suddenly rested. Yeah. Um, now look, we've been doing this rethinking rugby segment for a little while now, uh, three or four weeks, and each week we ask one of you out there to put something on our social media chat. Tell us what you think could change within rugby. Areas, whether it's laws or the approach to marketing or whatever it might be, and, and let's have a discussion about it. This week's Rethinking Rugby is all about the red cards. Now, we've had some red cards this season. We've had a lot of red cards, a lot of yellow cards this season. The suggestion this week is that players should be ejected like an American sport, and you can simply replace them unless it is completely malicious. Um, I know that you're a fan of replacing after 20 minutes from the red card. Is it worthwhile doing only malicious incidents for red cards, or are we delivering the wrong message to safety points of view, technique points of view? Yeah, potentially, especially around the head, because not a lot of the red cards have been malicious, they've been you know, poor technique. Um, so I think we have to make a concerted effort and, and you know, the problem that is concussion in our sport and to make it into a position where you know, everyone is safe but you know, the next generation of player wants to play mm. is, is pretty critical to the survival of our game. Um, so I can see where they're going though. I don't mind the idea of like if you say you see three uh, breakdown infringements by you know, one player then they're, they're ejected and, and it does bring a different element um, around the word discipline in teams. Um, but in saying that, sometimes you do need to push the boundaries um, to find out where they are, but also to make the game what it is. Mm. Um, so it's, it's probably a no for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure we've had many yeses so far. <laughs> um, you know, you could foul out, you could do it. Well, Bryn, Bryn's, Bryn's the new age, mate. He probably would jump at it. He loves the basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I quite like the idea, yeah. personally. I like the idea of the. Well, how many then? Um, and would it be the same infringement or just penalties? Look, I, I think just if you see the need to red card someone, give them an ejection unless it, it was malicious. And you're off and as many as you need in a game so if that uses your entire bench up then so be it there has to be some sort of punishment right so yeah but i mean how many infringements until they're ejected um well i, th I think that he was referring to it doesn't necessarily matter on how many but look if two yellow cards equal a red then yeah sure like two two penalties and you're two, gone well two um two penalties that are worthy of a yellow card Oh, I current, see what you mean. In the current ethos of what mean. a yellow card is. So it still has to be quite a high level. I, I was thinking it's just like infringements, just penalties. Say if, if I'm a player that gets yeah. four or five penalties or three penalties, I'm gone. Yeah. And then there's still the yellow card and red card system. Yeah, I, I quite elevated. like fouling out like basketball. Yeah. Uh, certainly if you're on your own line and you're willing to give up penalties on your own line and rucks, getting offside, all those kind of things, mm. and it adds up, then maybe you can also have those kind of those team... Um, foul situations, yeah. you know, like what are we going to go to next? Going to go to the line? Well, we're just going to play basketball soon. <laughs> yeah. Between basketball and the 40-20 from rugby league, yeah. the game is just going to go in a completely uh. different direction. I'm not against the ejections. I'm just no, saying. I'm not against yeah. it either, but um, 
I'd need to know a little bit more detail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> put put more into the comments section. We can elaborate this. I'll just say that guy just needs to pipe down. <laughs> we'll see where you go from there. Let's move on to the Super Rugby Dream Team. Um, yep. Obviously, we've had a big weekend. Uh, Brent would have had, you know, 15 Crusaders in that starting 100%. outfit. Um, look, we. Each week we go into the Super Rugby Dream Team on RugbyPass.com. You go, you click on there, you put your team in, whoever's closest can get a subscription to Rugby Pass. This week it's Jasper Miller who's gone in there. If you are the closest over the entire season, you know the deal. You get a chance to come on here right at the end. But let's have a look at your dream team for the week. Um, I know, you forgot your book. Yeah, I know. But I know. at the same time, those stats have still been coming out. Yeah, they're out still there. Yeah. It's just there. like the book's a safety blanket, you yeah. know, just in case something slips, but uh, most of it's there. So so do you have the full team in your head? I do, I think. Okay, let's go. Well, I, I've, I actually struggled this week. There was so many um, players that did well, especially, you know, if we use 15, for example, you know, Morby was outstanding. Um, Zan Sullivan was the same. But Will Jordan just has a knack, doesn't he? Like, mm. oh, man, he is good. Like, his his ability to find a try, save a try, he's, he is definitely world-class at 15 at the moment. Um, 14, I've gone Mark Talia purely for the put-down. Like, <laughs> how can you leave that out? That was outstanding. Um, 11, Caleb Clark. Um, we've obviously had the discussion, like, Leicester was fantastic as well. Um, but I, I don't know, there, there was something special about probably seeing Caleb live um, and, and what he did how destructive he was, his stats back it up. Um, 13, I think, when close to player of the round was Reeks. Um, 12, I went Quintapaya. 10, I actually, you know, Aidan Morgan was great. Um, Richie was outstanding, but I went Stevie because one, he was nailing his kicks, and two, in terms of that game, putting him on the map as a genuine um, first receiver was massive. And I, and I think if he can back up that sort of performance against one of the bigger sides, then, you know, it'll be a serious leg up for him to try and make the All Blacks. Nick White at nine. Um, eight was was challenging. Um, you know, you had Hoskins who actually played well at eight. Um, you can probably see where I'm going here. Um, I thought, you know, Peter Gus was great. I thought Pete Samu was outstanding as well. He, he was looking back to his very best. But I'll put Akira there, because I just, I can't move Rob Valentini out of six, because he's just playing too well. So I've put Akira at eight. Mm. Um, seven, I went with Dalton. Um, James Tucker, one of the lots. I went Cullen Grace. I thought, you know, for a positional change, maybe a bit of a disrupted week, two new young hookers. Um, you know, he did well in that locking position. He was good around the field. Three off of Tonga Fussy, one of his best games I think we've seen. Kurt Eklund, the same. I thought he was great. Um, and I went James Slipper at one. Mm. Oh, there's a few blues in there. I there's just a couple. Friend would be on you. But yeah, <laughs> but, but to be fair, how, how could I not after that <laughs> performance? It was, it was challenging. Yeah, 100%. What about Cullen Grace, though? Like, there are a lot of loose forwards around and probably a few number eights, especially in front of him. Locking could be an option. He's a tall enough body. Oh, and he's a great line-out option. Um, it, it, it could be. Um, you know, he may need to get a bit bigger believe it or not as silly as that sounds yeah. like the old engine room when you when you think of guys like Retallick, Romano, Whitelock they're, they're probably a little bit thicker set than the Lucys um, but yeah it's definitely he didn't look out of out of place. Yeah and we saw a few um, you know Tom Robinson played lock as well we yep. saw a few of those guys who've got that ability to jump around and right now 
you would say that the locking space is slightly, oh, there's still competition, Josh Lord, but probably not at the next level the way that the loose forward stuff is, right? Yeah, yeah, oh, I don't know. Like, it's, it's, you know, once Paddy's back, you've got Scott Barrett, you've got um, Brody and Sam, and you've got Josh Lord, Tupo Vai. Um, you know, even like, I know he hasn't played much this year, but a guy like Scott Scrafton, um, Josh Goodhude, um, there's definitely uh, plenty going around. Yeah, I suppose the, the key thing for the All Blacks is having those those guys there who are absolutely world-class yeah. in those positions because yeah. there is depth. It's just world-class depth. Yeah. Is, that's, that's well, we've been mark. spoiled yeah. for a long time in the locking position, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Well, Brody's not far away, is he? So, no, hopefully not. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. This weekend, plenty of good footy to come. Um, let's go through these, these games and the results of what they could be. Highlanders versus Force on Friday. I'm going to go the Highlanders. I, I just think that might be the juice they needed um, to, to be able to go home and get one. They love playing underneath that roof. Potentially, um, Aaron maybe rested or given less minutes. So, you know, I think we were, everyone knows Falao Whakatawa off the bench at Super Rugby level is exceptional. Mm. I think, you know, his next opportunity to start and if he can t take the ball by the horns and direct that team around and, and get a result, I think he puts himself in with a r real chance um, if he's eligible for selection. Mm. Actually, I saw an article on Rugby Pass this week also talking about Cortez Ratima. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, Bryn, yeah. Like, I, I didn't know too much about him, but when Bryn gave him the big raps, I've been watching him quite closely, and he's seriously good. Yeah. Big future. Because well, there are some halfbacks at that, at that Chiefs team. Yeah, 100%. It's, um, you know, Xavier Rowe was... He was the next new thing, you know, only what last year. So, <laughs> now Cortez Ratima is it. So, it's, it's a bit of a ruthless um, merry go round at the Chiefs at the moment because Brad Webb is world class, as we know. Yeah, this, these are some options there. Brumbies versus the Crusaders, of course, is the big game of the weekend. Where do you see that one going? Oh, it's tough. It's tough without knowing the teams. I'd love to know, you know, what, what artillery is coming back for the Crusaders. Um, I think the slip up against the Waratahs. Uh, and believe it or not, the fact that the, <laughs> the the Crusaders are on the road in an Aussie, and you know obviously the Brumbies have to travel back, um, could potentially give them a a leg up. So I, I just I think it'll it'll be one in that forward battle, and I just don't see the Crusaders having a slip up twice mm. on this tour. So I'll, I'll back them, but it'll definitely be one to twelve. It's a bit rough calling it a slip up against the Brumbies, though, isn't it? Because they're a good team. Oh, they are. You know what I mean, though, yeah. for that Crusaders standard. It's not, it's not so much about the Brumbies. It's just, you know, I just can imagine their prep would, and their, yeah. their, their focus for this week would just be, you know, test match level. Well, it would be great to see because that will set up the rest of the competition mm. very nicely to see what happens between those two teams for what looks like a competition for second place at the moment on the table yeah, going in into the playoffs. The finals, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Blues obviously look a million dollars from the weekend, so <laughs> <laughs> you'd be rubbed a bit against them. Um, the Drua versus Moana Pacifica. This is a massive game. Huge, huge. Um, I, I don't know where to go with this one because the Drua just catch me off guard. They have these performances and you're like, it's truth, they're, they're on here. Mm. Um, and then they'll just have ones like they did you know, on the weekend. So. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to back Moana to get it done. Yeah. I, I, very 50-50. As you can see, I'm still struggling to make a call now. 
But I think I think Moana Pacifica will will get the job done. I think people might laugh when I say that 11 v 12, both teams with just one win, is a massive game. But this game is something completely different culturally. Yeah. And and and, and that puts so much on it. Yeah, and I think there'll be um, you know a lot of you know both sides will draw on that yeah. and want to you know showcase the power of the Pacific and and what makes us what what is our point of difference is is our connection with that culture um, and, and I think it's furthermore this is interesting because I know people have a problem with the eight teams but it makes games interesting the whole way through the competition because they're still a genuine chance and if they can get on a run either of these teams they can slip into that eight it's, it's certainly I, I think that's probably the most interesting part of the table at the moment is who can get into that eighth spot yeah, yeah, the, the Highlanders appear to be finding their way, and it'd be hard to get above them. But yeah, but it's only way. if they don't get it done against the force. You know, they, they, it's right open. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Blues v Reds. I think the Blues um, at home. Um, the the key will be they lost against the force, and they were smarting. They're fil filthy. You know, they weren't happy with the draw performance. They weren't happy with the force and. It was almost like they, those two tries, that's what I was trying to say, like kick them into gear, like what are we doing? Like, let's be the Blues. And they just executed and did it magnificently through the simple actions of running hard, cleaning hard first, going through the middle, getting the offload game going because they've earned the right to offload to then spreading it wide. And I think that's the theory they need to go with again against the Reds. And if the Reds don't have O'Connor, I just don't see them being able to be in this race. Yeah, and by quite a long way, possibly. Potentially, not as like man, it would be pretty hard <laughs> to back up 71 points. But if they do it, I tell you what, it'll uh, I'll be waxing lyrical about it. Well, and it would say something about the team, wouldn't Certainly it? Certainly would to go back to back in that kind of way, even if it's only 20 points, it's still <laughs> only 20 yeah, points. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's still a good win. It's convincing. Uh, Waratahs versus the Hurricanes. I'm going the Canes. I just oh, think really? they're on a run. I, I, I do, I just feel that. I don't know, something about watching them the other night, I just feel like you know they've utilised their depth, they've given guys opportunity, there's challenge for selection. Um, yeah, I just think that they're a team that seems to be finding all the right pieces at the right time of the year. Mm, and they're in a position right now where they're only a few wins behind some of the other teams that are above them. It's so, some big gains can be made in a very short period of time. Huge, and this is the key test for them. I think, I, I think they've maybe got the Rebels and someone else afterwards, Rebels and Force maybe, um, but this will be the big test that can give them the springboard into those last two rounds to hopefully um, you know, push to that home, home quarter. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when the Hurricanes went all the way to the title that first time and they went to South Africa and they had some issues and then they pulled out a big game. Yeah. And then off the back of that, the momentum just rolled and they're one of those teams that when it starts clicking, I mean, oh. they don't have Bowden Barrett now, but you but know what I mean. I think that performance by Aidan Morgan would have given them a lot of confidence to, to maybe give him another crack for a big game. Mm. So um, the pieces are there. Yeah. Um, and I think, like I do mean, I think a guy like Iron Franks can be a key cog uh, in, in the simplicity he brings to his game will be infectious. And that, that's... You know, when you're in tight battles, it is just doing the simple things well. It's such a cliche, but it's so true. I feel like this weekend is a massive weekend for the Chiefs. It's, yeah. Going to the Rebels and winning over there is going to be something that really has a big difference between them having a chance at a home playoff game or playing the worst of the two teams in the semi-final, if that's as far as they go. 
I, I think it is. I think it's a big week for the Canes and the Chiefs, you know, like it's almost probably getting to that point if, if the Chiefs can do the job right and get a good points differential, um, they may lock up fourth spot. Mm. Um, but if they don't um, and the Hurricanes have a good result, I, I think it's, it's all on um, for both. Um, and, and don't think the Rebels are going to take, like I was speaking to James Hansen after the game, uh, he played his 50th game for the Rebels and um, yeah, they'll, they, they, they weren't happy, they'll want to bounce back. Um, so don't expect it just to be a 71 drumming. They looked gutted, and as you would because they put in a lot of effort to get going. Yeah, um, and, and I think like, it was just one of those nights, like the Blues as a side man, when they click, you don't want to be the team that they play. And, and mm. the offload game, the collision area, like it all, their kicking game, um, their decisions, like some of the passing decisions to get on the outside to create the opportunities, the selfless nature, it was just all there to see. And unfortunately, the Rebels just didn't have an answer. No, and they fell off one-on-one -on -one tackles, which they would think is quite an easy fix to solve a lot of those points. 100%. Um, you know, and, and the, they had sort of just been going on a point. Like Matt Phillips' stats, he's one of the leading you know, offload players. He's uh, third or fourth in carries. Um, he's their skipper with Michael Wells out. And he had a quiet game and, and just shows if your big guns don't fire, um, it puts you on the back foot from the word go. So that's another big weekend of Super Rugby because we're getting to that point of the year, there's only a few rounds left and each game is so sort of matters, yeah. with your top eight. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that is what makes it super cool. We've had some good results recently, close ones, big blowouts. It's exciting. Who knows what's going to happen this weekend? I know. And like, I mean, you couldn't have said that, I don't know, past years. It, it literally is tough to make these calls which is great that's what you want it's the, that's what the competition needs mm, and and not necessarily running away with it at the top either like you the blues the brumbies the crusaders on any moment any of the well i've shown if you're if you're off you, yeah you'll, you'll get stung this competition could go any way any way at all hopefully the chiefs get back into that <laughs> reckoning as well yeah and, and your mate luke jacobson has another barnstormer <laughs> and takes that all black six jersey yeah. go on luke <laughs> you can do it you can do it thank you again james Cheers, another man. great episode you can all catch us next week on the aotearoa rugby pod in the meantime make sure you watch that super rugby on sky and you get all the analysis on rugbypass.com almost got it there for a second <laughs> you got it there <laughs> it came out it came out okay see you next week ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.